This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the Chief Business Officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. So nice to be with you today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm excited to be joined today by Phil Doolittle, who is Executive Vice Chancellor of Finance and Administration and Chief Financial Officer at Brandman University. Hey, Megan. Great. Good to be with you. To get us started today, Phil, I was hoping you could talk about how you discovered higher ed as a, as a profession and then maybe a little bit about how you came to be at Brandman specifically. I sort of stumbled into <laughs> higher ed in a way. I had done, when I finished uh, my undergraduate program, I worked for a, a year for the university that I'd attended and um, enjoyed that and then um, went off to graduate school and worked for the Security Exchange Commission for a while, and then actually got invited to come back into higher ed in the admissions uh, area when they were doing a transition of change of management. So I came into that for a couple of years. And then I went into industry, and I was with TRW Corporation for about 11 years. But during that time, I was on the uh, involved with the University of Redlands. I was on the board of trustees at the University of Redlands, which is where I had gone, done my undergraduate work. During that time, the, the, the president of the university passed away, had a heart attack and died. And I was involved in selecting uh, the new president along with other trustees. Mm. As a result of that process and getting to know the new president come in, a guy named Jim Appleton, who came in from USC, uh, Jim uh, started to recruit me um, to come to work for the University of Redlands as the vice president for finance. And um, so I kind of stumbled into it uh, in an un- unusual way, mm-hmm. joining it and uh, stayed at Redlands for many years uh, as both the CFO and then ultimately the COO. And um, I left Redlands just over three years ago uh, to join Brandman University after being at Redlands for 23 years. And, uh, you know, I joined Brandman because I was kind of looking to do something new as I was at the latter part of my career. Mm-hmm. And Brandman's a very interesting place. It's it's uh, an institution that came out of Chapman University. Uh, it serves uh, adult learners. It's a very innovative um, organization specifically focused on that particular population of providing programs, innovative programs to adult learners and doing it in a, in a cost-effective way. And uh, so it's it's very different than what I was doing at the University of Redlands, which is a very traditional mm-hmm. uh, institution, um, liberal arts, uh, comprehensive institution. And this is a much different kind of environment. I'm, I'm having a blast. It's been a, a lot of fun to, to, to go to a new place and to be doing new things. I think our listeners would find it fascinating to hear you talk a little bit more about the adult learning component. What have you learned over the past handful of years that, since you've been at Brandman that uh, maybe traditional universities could learn from? Because I know I know this is a big area of growth potential for other universities. Yeah, the thing that's been really exciting about Brandman is the way it got formulated. When I was at the University of Redlands, I would have a lot of conversations with my colleague, the COO at, at Chapman University, 
both Redlands and Chapman had adult programs. And one of the things that we had observed over time is it's very difficult for these adult programs to be uh, effectively managed within a traditional educational program. Mm -hmm. uh, and what Chapman did was very, very creative. It spun it out. It created a separate entity, which is a separate nonprofit, separately incorporated, separately um, accredited institution that just focuses on that adult learner um, and tries to find innovative and new ways in order to deliver that. So there's a lot of things that we've done here, uh, like moving to blended, uh, you know, blended delivery systems, uh, coming up with new and innovative uh, areas, one that we're working very hard on and our leader on is competency-based education. But we created a, an environment where those innovations are accepted and embraced by all the constituents, including that faculty. And it, it really makes for a uh, streamlined way to deliver those kind of services in, in a very innovative fashion. And it's been very exciting to see this happen and the progress that we've been able to make. I think when the switch occurred, I think there was about 6,000 students today. We're at 12,000 students after eight years, and we're continuing to grow and we're continuing to expand into new in different areas. But what I think the what was most successful about this was the way the organization restructured in order to create a space where um, the programs for adult learners could be innovative mm -hmm. and, and really focus on effectiveness. And, and we've been seeing that, you know, we have just finished uh, our most recent calculations on graduation rates and we're now at 80 percent graduation rates. And this is a population that traditionally does not necessarily do well. I'm talking about undergraduate uh, uh, adult learners and we have you know, high percentage of, of students of color. We have a high percentage of students receiving Pell Grants. Uh, we have a high percentage of, of uh, first generation. And these are often populations that, that do have some difficulty succeeding in college. So we're really pleased with what we're doing. I think for the kind of program we are, that's probably one of the highest uh, graduation rates in the country. How does that different population change your role as executive vice chancellor? I work a lot on much more on projects. So I'm, um, you know, I have all the traditional functions that one would have, you know, all the finance functions. I have IT, HR, I have legal, um, you know, I have the whole variety of functions very similar to what I had at the University of Redlands. Mm -hmm. The one difference for us is we have uh, 28 campuses in California and um, Washington State. We have our main campus in Irvine. And then we have these other campuses scattered across the, the two states. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of uh, smaller campuses that have to be managed. But I no longer have a, you know, a large campus that I'm constantly worrying about, you know, building new facilities or all the kinds of issues that would go on to a traditional place. So now I focus a lot of my time on the development of systems to support innovation on the academic side. Clearly, one of those areas is competency-based education, which is a very complicated delivery system. Uh, we've had to create our own, what I call our own CBE ecosystem in order to do that. And that's required building systems. Um, in our, our competency-based program, it's self-paced, non-term, direct assessment. Hmm. Well, none of the systems in higher ed work with that mm -hmm. kind of system. Mm -hmm. They're all term, basically term-based systems. So we've had to create our own systems to do that. So I spend a lot of my time uh, orchestrating, working very closely with the academic side of the house and providing those uh, sort of back of the house functions that are so important to uh, this kind of delivery system. So that's, a, that's an example. So it is different. Um, 
you know, I have mentioned earlier that I worked for TRW Corporation uh, earlier in my career, and I feel like this is sort of a hybrid of my two experiences, one hmm. in a more traditional place and one in a corporate setting. And this is feels like a hybrid uh, kind of uh, arrangement because, again, we're set up to be to be quick and uh, flexible in decision making. Uh, and it's a little bit more like you would see, I think, in a corporate setting. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask how your corporate experience sort of informed your your role as a CBO in your in your career. Can you talk a little bit more about that as a hybrid today and what you're taking from each of those worlds into your role right now? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that has been interesting is to do the kinds of things that we're we've been doing here at Brandman requires us to have a lot of partnerships. And so I mentioned CBE earlier, but we're, we had to develop, uh, you know, our own learning management system. We had to look for a different sort of financial aid system. We had to create, we call middleware that helps all these systems connect with each other. So I've spent a lot of time, much more of my time on, on developing those partnerships and the financials around those partnerships, both on licensing and when you're out developing um, these kind of products together, you know, we're sharing in the, the results of that. So as others would take the learning management system that we helped with a partner develop, then Brandman gets some uh, financial uh, rewards for, for that. So I'm spending a lot more time on developing, managing uh, those kinds of partnerships than I did in the traditional environment. And some of those are things that haven't been done before. So we're dealing with a lot of companies that are on the cutting edge of being able to deliver things. A lot of them are venture capital based. And so that has its own set of challenges. So I would say that's been um, uh, a big difference. And I think my corporate background has been very helpful in being able to navigate this kind of environment. Um, because again, a lot of us in higher ed, we don't do a lot of, particularly if you're in a smaller traditional place, like I was at Redlands, you know, 4,000 students. Um, we just weren't doing those kinds of things. They're important though, because as you know, higher ed is changing and, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, changes in front of us. And we really have to look at new and innovative ways to be able to deliver education. If we're going to uh, control costs you know, make it more accessible and affordable to students. These are the kind of things that we have to do in order to achieve that. And that's what we're really focusing on here at Brandman. As you look back to your role at Redlands and you're contrasting it with what you're doing now, what, in hindsight, do you wish you would have done differently at Redlands? Well, I certainly wish I had been able to do at Redlands what we're doing here at Brandman. I mean, I, I think I identified early that it was a challenge for Redlands, which has had been in the adult education uh, part of the business uh, since the mid-1970s. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were an innovator in this space at the be very beginning. But it's, it was becoming more and more difficult for us to compete and be successful in the marketplace. Now, I don't want to say they're not successful. They are, and they're continuing to have programs and so on. But I wish I had been able to do something similar from an organizational standpoint that we've been able to achieve between Chapman and Brandman in creating what we have today. That, that's a, a kind of a, a big issue. Um, beyond that, I think I've learned a lot being here. Um, 
uh, and looking back, I think uh, I would have done uh, some things differently at at uh, at Redlands had I had the opportunity now that I've I've been in this environment. And what I mean by that is I think I probably would have used more third-party services to mm. for certain deliveries because mm-hmm. I think I'm seeing now that in some cases that's a much more efficient way to to do things, particularly with the way technology has evolved. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so many options now we have with big data and the and these these integrated systems that exist today that that just didn't um, that those opportunities weren't fully there before, uh, but I wish I had kind of been pushing the edge of that uh, earlier. It, it sounds like in your role currently, you're constantly pushing the boundaries of innovation and trying to be more innovative in how you're approaching your population and the environment. So, where do you look for pockets of innovation and inspiration as you're as you're doing that? You know, we have a great uh, team here. Uh, that works a lot on uh, scoping out what's going on in the higher education arena. So a real area of focus is strategic planning. Um, we're really, really very focused on those goals with not only internally with our management, but engagement with the faculty and others and with our board uh, on looking forward. So for instance, as I don't want to overly talk CBE, but competency-based, I mean, this is something that we looked at three, four years ago, and we were looking out at the higher education space and saying, okay, what's going to evolve here? What's happening? And obviously, factors around cost, you know, the affordability issue, cost, the, the issues about accessibility. Um, and we were saying, hey, there's going to have to be a new generation. I call it really kind of the new generation of online. What's going to happen next? We think CBE is it. We think that's where the higher education is going to move, and we wanted to be a, a leader in that space. So I think we spend a lot of time looking through those. The other thing is we're very patient here. We recognize some of the things that we're doing are not going to happen overnight. Uh, I saw a line recently in talking with someone that would call it uh, patience capital. Mm. Uh, you know, you have to you have to have some patience capital in order to do this. One of the things we do at Brandman, and, and this has been great in our relationship with Chapman, is we're basically taking all the money that we generate, all the net uh, from our operation, and investing it back into these kinds of programs. So we're funding them ourselves. Um, and um, that's really been um, a great op- opportunity for us to move some of these projects forward. But we recognize that competency-based education is different. It's going to be both a challenge to deliver, but also uh, it's going to be a challenge uh, selling it, in essence, uh, to students because it's a very different approach uh, to, to the delivery of that education. But what we think is a great advantage to it is it's going to be much more convenient for students, and we're really convinced we can lower the cost. And that that piece, we think, is the most important thing going forward. Obviously, we want a quality program, and we're building that quality into it, but we also wanted to do it at a price that's affordable to students, particularly that adult population. You may have already answered this a little bit in some of your previous responses, but I'm wondering if you can think of something that you're doing today that you never imagined you would have been doing, let's say, 10 or even 15 years ago? I don't think 10 or 15 years ago I would have envisioned doing what I'm doing today, you know, um, leaving a place that I had been at for 22, 23 years, uh, certainly had an opportunity to remain there uh, and and finish out my career there. Um, 
But I don't think I back then, five, 10 years ago, I really was visualizing making this kind of change that I've made. Uh, it, you know, it takes a lot when you've been at a place a long time, you've been doing the same kind of work for a long time to move to a totally different environment. Uh, you're never quite sure, oh, am I up to that? Can I handle that mm -hmm. environment because it's so different? Uh, so it's been refreshing and exciting to make that kind of transition. And again, I'm not sure I was thinking about that five, 10 years ago. Not that I wasn't thinking about some of these issues because I, I've been, you know, I think about these things all the time, but um, I'm not sure I recognize that that would, uh, would be where I would end up. Um, and it meant moving, you know, and all those kind of things that, uh, you know, that uh, you have to do when, when, when you put together that kind of a, a strategy. But it's been really a lot of fun. Amidst all of the excitement and innovation and all of the things that are going right at Brandman, what, is, what would you identify as your biggest challenge? What keeps you up at night? To some degree, it's whether or not we've created a Betamax. So, you know, I think it's one thing to be innovative. And I think when you get out in front of something like we are on uh, several things that we're uh, pursuing, not just CBE, we're cr trying to get, be at the, the head of the herd. And there's some risks at being at the head of the herd. Uh, even though I think we've done some very good analysis about what we think is needed, how we think the market is going to evolve over time, uh, we could be wrong. So we could be investing in something that really doesn't get traction in higher ed. Uh, MOOCs is a good example of something I think, you know, there was a lot of excitement about it initially, but it really hasn't necessarily panned out to be what everyone thought it, it would do. Um, and certainly it's not been a program tied to students completing degrees. Um, so I think one of the challenges for us is, uh, and then I wake up, every, you know, I, I, I have some sleepless nights of doubt is whether or not the investment we're making is going to uh, kind of really pay off for mm -hmm. us in the long haul. Because uh, we're betting a lot on this. And those are bets we're making with our resources, their commitments we're making with our constituencies and with um, with our board. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that that at times worry me. Um, and then it's really organizational change because, you know, in order to do this, we constantly have to be adapting. And that's hard on an organization. Um, these take a lot of, of time and resources and commitment, and they can sort of wear people down. Hmm. So, you know, I worry about that, of overextending our, our team uh, and, and constantly thinking about, okay, how are we structured? How can we support the team? Uh, what other resources do we need? How do we do that on a cost-effective basis? So uh, there, there is a certain level of fatigue that can sit in when you're taking on these major changes uh, within an organization. It seems like you're a pioneer in this area and, and what Brandman is doing. Who do you find yourself turning to when you come up with a tough challenge that you really need to kind of talk through with somebody? Well, you know, it's kind of an interesting place that we sit because, one, there aren't very many institutions like us. Mm -hmm. uh, ones that might be similar would be National University, but there are not too many like us. And a lot of the institutions that we end up competing within our space are for-profit institutions. And there really isn't a great network, uh, to be honest with you, to talk to the for-profits. Um, so I've, I've really had to lean back on uh, people that I have gotten to know, innovative people I've gotten to know over the years through Nakubo, mm -hmm. through Wakubo. We have a group called WCCI, which is a group of West Coast Comprehensive. There's another group called PACCON. And I have long-term uh, colleagues that sit in those uh, areas that 
you know, that I, I look to for assistance uh, on, on various things that we're doing, on support. Um, I enjoy sharing with them what we're doing because a lot of them are very interested in what we're doing. I think a lot of the institutions that I have known over the years, they know they have to make changes uh, in order to be viable and to be healthy financially going forward. And so we have a lot of uh, conversations about this. We, this PACCON group that I'm on, I did a presentation last December about, you know, competency-based and why we got into it, where it's headed, done that at Nakubo and Kubo and so on. So we're trying hard to kind of get that out. But I do have these colleagues that are out. One that I count on a lot is a guy named Tony Lazaro. Tony Lazaro was at USC for many, many years as a chief business officer there. He's been retired for a long time now, but Tony's been a great source of uh, support over really almost a 25 year period. Um, and uh, he's, I brought him in both uh, just as an individual uh, mentor and, and supporter, but also on several projects over the years as he's come in as a consultant. He's been very helpful to me also in, in these issues I was talking about building a team, supporting the team, and doing the right things to make sure that we keep everybody on board and healthy and moving forward. Uh, it's been a great, great guide. But I have uh, many, many colleagues out there. They're phenomenal people that I can turn to and ask for support. Anything else you'd like to share today, Phil, that I've neglected to ask? Uh, you know, I, I think this has been a great uh, conversation. I'm glad to have been included. Um, you know, I'm a, a long-term supporter of Nakubo. Uh, I think it's a terrific uh, organization and um, adds a huge amount of support for all of us. Um, and so I'm, I'm really grateful to, to have this opportunity to talk with you today and appreciate your asking me to be a part of this. Well, thank you so much, Phil, for your time today and for sharing this really exciting new space that you are pioneering. So appreciate your time. Great, Megan. Thank you. You can find out more about Phil and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in iTunes as well so that you'll get the latest podcast episodes instantly. And on behalf of Phil and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Mm-hmm.